Hallelujah. Come on, let's exalt him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, he's in the house today. Oh, he's a mighty God. Hallelujah, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, the mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we've come to worship you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for being here today. Amen. It's good to be in church on a Sunday morning. Amen. Smiling faces and excited hearts. Praise God. And God is excited. I said God is excited this morning because we're here. And he's excited about what he wants to do in our lives. Every year that we... Leo, we have Christmas celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then not that long after, we have Easter celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are huge days in the Christian world. They're acknowledged by all Christian churches with a great emphasis, and so it should be. But then there's another day on the calendar that doesn't get a lot of attention on a national Christian level. In fact, I would go to say there's very few, very few churches that in Lee County today, in the state of Mississippi and even North America, that are even going to acknowledge this special day. And it's the day of completion. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. Jesus died, was buried in resurrection, resurrected to be the Savior of the world. And then on the day that we're celebrating today, the purpose the leading point, and that is the birth of the church of the living God. Today is what is celebrated as the day of Pentecost. This is 50 days after Easter. Amen. And so I want us to honor the Lord and give him praise today for giving birth to his church. Amen. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what religion does, the church is always going to be present, and it's going to be powerful, and it's going to be a place for people to find hope and life change, a place people can bring their families. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the church. Where would we be without his word? Where would we be without his blood? But where would we be without the church? Amen. So today is the birth of the church, and we want to celebrate that and give honor. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Amen. They're all gathered, weren't they, in this upper room. The Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. 
from heaven. Not man-made, not man-constructed, not man-planned, but a sound from heaven. They didn't even know what they were waiting on. Jesus was excited that day. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Ghost was about to be poured out. For he told his disciples when he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost in the book of John. Then the scripture says, But the Holy Ghost was not yet given, for Christ was not yet glorified. But he has been glorified at this point, and now he's getting ready to pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. And no longer do you have to go to a priest to find your way to God. But when he died on Calvary and the temple and the veil was split in twain and he resurrected, there was given us to entrance into the Holy of Holies for the Holy Ghost. We can go directly to the throne of glory. We can go directly to God. He, he fills us with his spirit and we become the temple. Everybody say the temple. Of the living God. Isn't that extraordinary? Isn't that awesome? So on this wonderful day, there came a noise from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set up on each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit Everybody said, the Spirit, the Spirit's going to do something. The Spirit's going to change some things. And the very first thing it does, it takes control of this most unruly member of our body, and heaven began to speak through it. The uh, Spirit begins to give a sound and an utterance that it's on location. Oh, hallelujah. But it just wasn't for the 120. For this was a special day. Is this all right? I'll take a few minutes. Amen. This was a special day. God's an all-wise God. Because he didn't just choose any day to pour out his spirit. But he chose the day that there would be devout men out of every nation under heaven that would be on location. And they would hear, see, and experience. And they could take this back. What better way to spread this great message and experience And so it was on this day of Pentecost that he poured out his spirit. So these people who are gathered, they're in the crowd, and they think they're drunk. They they think they're wackos. There's some folks still think we're wackos. But we're still here, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And they said, these men are drunk. And Peter said, these are not drunken as you suppose. He didn't deny them being intoxicated. They were not intoxicated on, on wine, except the new wine. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's just 9 o'clock in the morning, third hour of the day. He said, but this is that. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that this is that is still happening. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then they asked the question, men and brethren. You know, Peter preached Acts 2.38. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified rather first. And they said, what must we do? That's a wonderful question. I love it when people say, what I got to do to get the Holy Ghost? (laughs) 
Tell me about the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Isn't that exciting when people want to know about the Holy Ghost? You don't have to try to lead them through a lot of religion and past and tradition, and they just want to know about the Holy Ghost. How do I get this Holy Ghost? I am a firm believer that we have a world full of people that would love to have the Holy Ghost. It's not preached there. It's not taught in many places. Oh, but they would love to have the Holy Ghost. They said, what must we do? And then Peter, I, I feel like he, on the inside of him, he was going, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> he was waiting for the question. And he got up and he preached the plan of salvation. Amen. Now, there's this one word I want to emphasize, the. This reference is only plan of salvation. Amen. God doesn't have a multiple plans of salvation. Amen. Amen. And so the plan of salvation, and he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Hallelujah. Folks, that's exciting. Nobody should have to live without the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it transforms our lives, our, our thinking, our, who we are, our DNA, if you will. It changes us completely. Yes. Oh, praise God. Amen. Then he goes on to say, for the promises are to you and to your children and all those that are far off, that's time-wise and distance, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Oh, isn't that exciting? Yes. Nobody's left out. It's not just for Pentecostals. Hello, it's for his church. This is what he laid in store. This is what he came and gave his life for, to shed the blood, to wash away our sins, to pay the penalty for the price of the wages of our sin. But he came that he could come and dwell within us. Why don't we stand and give him praise right now? Take a turn here. Y'all can be seated. Uh, I was going to preach this morning on things that never change, but we'll do that next Sunday, Lord willing. But uh, I feel like the vein of the Spirit that I'm feeling here this morning, we need to just celebrate what the Lord's done. This is a birthday party. Amen. I should have had some hats and some blowouts or whistles or whatever and just had a Holy Ghost birthday party, the church's birthday. Isn't that wonderful? See, the world doesn't understand the significance of this day because we, we're not just, you know, generating ideals about a church and, formal, you know, for organizing uh, uh, bylaws and, and structure to have a church because everybody should have a church. That's not the motivation factor. And I understand there's multiple, there's a, a huge range of diversity of churches in our world today. It, it's confusing to many people. Why is there so many different churches? Why is it so? Is it that everybody, you know, wants you want to, now you go to Arizona, they don't have the churches there. 
I mean, that, uh, she's just blown away at the churches that are on every corner in Mississippi. They're everywhere. Because, I mean, you know, people starting churches left and right, and, and that's a good thing from a viewpoint of the motive behind it. But can I tell you, this is not how God started it. He never started denominations and various religions. That was never in the plan of God. Hello, I'm preaching to a congregation that can receive this and understand this, and that's why we're able to celebrate. And we need to get, it's not, don't just go to any church. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. I've had people to tell me, and I'm not being derogatory when I say this at all, and they say, well, my child's going to this church. Well, at least they're going to church. I'm going, no, your grandchildren are being indoctrinated with false doctrine, and that is very dangerous. Oh, hallelujah. I've got parents here this morning that, that, that I'm going to hope I don't embarrass them, but I'm going to use them as a point of reference to prove this. There's something about when you raise an apostolic, when you know the truth, and you know nothing else is going to replace it. You know that there's nothing else that's going to work. God doesn't have five truths. He didn't have three churches. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Now, I'm really reaching out this morning, so y'all forgive me. I'll buy you lunch if I have to to make things right. But Noel, it's been a little while. You were out of church for a while, not coming, but... When these children started arriving, there's something happened in your spirit that says, I want them, I want Whit, and I want Rayleigh Kate to know what truth is. And this mother, this single mother, gets together, gets these children together every service, and she's very faithful, and she gets them to the house of God. And I know she's coming for herself, but she's also, she's bringing these babies because there's something there that says, I want them to know truth. I'm telling you, my friend, there's a difference when it comes to truth. I've got a son sitting here and a daughter-in-law. She's precious as she can be, thank God, for every day. But when children, I mean, and Clay wasn't coming to church. We all know that. I'm not here to embarrass him. I'll buy his lunch for sure today if you'll let me. But when Lily was born, things began to change in their life. It wasn't just the ideal, but yes, they, they see the need for church. No, I'm not minimizing that at all. But there's something about truth that rises up and an understanding this baby is going to be raised in church and it needs to be raised in church. Praise God. That's not a question, but I want her raised in truth. Not just any church. I don't want her learning any denomination. I don't want her learning any doctrine. But we want her learning truth because truth shall make you free. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Nothing replaces truth. Hallelujah. And so when the church was formed, it was, I know churches started getting formed later, but it became by man's hands and man's theology and man's interpretation. And here's what brought about. Have you ever wondered why there's so many different denominations? You ever wondered that? I'm not saying they're bad people. I know measure. They're great people. I know people that are different denominations that, that do their best to live a Christian life. Amen. I know people don't even go to church and try their best to live a good life. 
So being a, living a Christian life per se, trying and, being a, and living a good life, still don't get it done when it comes to salvation. Hello? But here's how many different churches came to come about. Different religions. Hello? Y'all ready for this? It's not because they got it from the Scripture. Because it's very clear. It's very clear. It's so simple it confounds the wise. But I would not be afraid to say it started out of self-preferences. And then you take self-preferences and what you prefer and how you want it to interpret it. And then man begins to shape and form denominations and churches into their preference. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible teaches us uh, there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. Hey, we got to do this with love. We've got to wrap this in love and with kindness and hunger and loving souls. But we can never dilate or dilute this message. Rather, we can't never back up from it. We've got to let our friends know. We've got to let the world know. We've got to let whosoever know. My friend, we're no, it, it won't do us good just to be a part of a church, but we've got to be a part of the church. That's what's going to give us salvation. That's what's going to take us to heaven. That's what we want to raise our kids in. We don't want them confused with really religiosity. We don't want them messed up with thinking of false doctrine. Oh, but we've got to love this wonderful truth. I thank God for this truth. I go a little further. I thank God I was raised in it. I'm a hard-headed dude. I, I might have bought into false religion, false doctrine. And never came out. There's a lot of wonderful people today that are in false doctrine simply because that's how they were raised. Hello? They're good people. Their intentions are well. They're sincere. And I don't want to minimize that at all. But I like to go like Aquila and Priscilla did, and it said they led them to a more perfect or a more complete way. We need to reach for people. I don't know if this is a Bible study this morning or what it is. We're going to celebrate Pentecost. But we need to go tell our world where you're at, where you love God, what you know about God, and the way that you serve God. I got something I want to share with you. There's just a little bit more. No, there's a whole lot more. But there's more that God wants to do in your life. There's a greater experience that God wants you to have. We don't have to shy away from that as long as we do it in love and in wisdom. But because we've got Bible to back it up. It was Paul who looked at the, uh, the church at, at, at Acts chapter 19, the disciples of Ephesus. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, he already knew they believed. Is this all right? He already knew they believed. But he asked a very vital question. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Now, Paul was a Holy Ghost preacher. Hello? Paul was a Jesus name preacher. Paul believed in the Holy Ghost. He got struck down the road to Damascus and blinded by the light of the Lord. And he said, Lord, who art thou? And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he spoke in tongues like everybody else does when they get the Holy Ghost. Because the Spirit gives the utterance. It's not that you got to speak in tongues. It's this, is that when you get the Holy Ghost, the Spirit is going to give an utterance. I'm telling you, there's not two or three different kinds of Holy Ghost out there. There's only one kind of Holy Ghost. There's only one God. There's only one baptism. Come on, that's the truth. It's in the Bible. It's not in our doctrine only. It's not just in 
our articles of faith, but our articles of faith came out of the Word of God. This is his church that he said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, praise God. I'm excited. Truth is so simple, and it's easy to defend, but it's easy to share. Is that all right? So let people know there's more that God has for them. This is the origination of the church. Oh, praise God. This is the origination of the church. There is no other. And we can lead people to a more perfect way. And when he asked them, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And I promise you, this is where a lot of our world is today. They said, we have not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, the only difference in that in our world today is a different religions is that a lot of them have heard of it, but they really hadn't heard about it. I, I met with someone not long ago in my office who is a uh, state official, and we were talking, and I shared with this person about the Holy Ghost. How the, and he said, you know, I'd like to have the Holy Ghost, and I prayed for it, but I hadn't got it. So evidently, it's not something for me. Oh, no, it's for everybody. God wouldn't single you out and say it ain't for you. He said all flesh. This is for whosoever will and let him come. Praise God. And I began to share with him. I said, now, look, we're going to do a Bible study. I asked him to, and he wanted to do one. We're going to do a Bible study here in the next few weeks, and we're going to do that, have that lined out. I said, but here's what I want to share with you. You have prayed for the Holy Ghost, but I want you to understand what the Holy Ghost is. And I want you to understand why God gives the Holy Ghost. Then I want you to understand how to receive the Holy Ghost. You've got to have an understanding of it before you can really begin to seek it in the right measure. And then we don't just ask God one time for it and say, well, I didn't get it, so he doesn't want me to have it. No, because once we realize it's something that we can have and what it really is and what it fulfills and its power and its purpose, we should want it. If we begin to want it, we begin to ask for it in the right perspective. Amen? I mean, if I ask you for something, but I really didn't care whether I get it or not. I mean, it's like a great ideal. I'd like to have it, but no big deal if I don't get it. I'm probably not going to convince you. Not that we have to convince God. We have to convince ourselves to push through junk, to push through flesh, to push through our life, to push through what things we may have to give up. we got to push through this carnal man to step into the spirit. Hello? And so we've got to understand it. Then we begin to seek it. In the right perspective. Then I say, you know what? I'm not just saying this to get you to visit our church. But if I want a good steak, I'm not going to a pizza house. I said, I don't mean nothing disrespectful. I just had liberty. I said, if I want a certain item, I go to where that specializes. And so if you want the Holy Ghost, then I'd encourage you to come visit us. And that way it's happening. The Holy Ghost can can be poured out on any given service. You're in an atmosphere where people understand it, people believe it, people have it, and it's a whole lot easier to receive. So you pray for this friend of mine that that they, they will come and will get the revelation of truth and will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we want to introduce to our world. There's great people out there. They 
just don't know. They have not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They haven't heard about the birth of the church. They haven't heard about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and the sense of doctrine. They may have run across it in the Scripture, but they haven't been taught the the, the principles, uh, the line upon line and precept upon precept. They haven't been taught why Jesus said most likely they haven't. You must be born again, and you must be born again of water and of spirit. And that which is born after the flesh is flesh, and that which is born after the spirit is spirit. We've got to get them to an understanding. Throw away religion. Throw away churches. Not literally, but throw away your past traditions and your past theology. And let's just go back to the rooted Word of God from the origination where it's made simple. I'm telling you, the gospel is made simple. It's not confounding. The world of religion has made it confounding. It is so simple. It's like the ABCs of the Word of God. It's that simple. God is not the author of confusion. He wants us to know His will. He wants to make it simple to understand. And all we've got to do then is obey it. Woo! Hallelujah. The scripture says, taking vengeance on them who know with flaming fire. That's talking about hell. With flaming fire. Taking vengeance on them that know not God. Right? And who obey not the gospel. How can I obey the gospel? How can I obey? That's where people get messed up with works and faith. It's a matter of obedience. And obedience is better than sacrifice. And so if we've got to obey the gospel or else we won't make it, we'll be where it's taking vengeance with flame and fire, taking vengeance on them who obey not the gospel. That's pretty serious, folks. Is Bible study okay on a Sunday morning? I don't want it taking vengeance on me on my family, on anybody. And so how can I obey the gospel? Well, let's back up. What is the gospel? I got to know what it is for and obey it. What is the gospel? The gospel is a death. Everybody say death. Burial and resurrection. That is the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus came and he died, shed the blood, Pay the penalty for our sins because we can't pay it for ourselves. And the wages of sin is death, right? Then he was buried in a borrowed tomb because he didn't need it very long, right? And he was buried by way of the grave. And he went and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave and victory over all of this. And then on the third day, what happened? He resurrected. I was reading in Corinthians 15 this morning. What if he had not resurrected? What if resurrection wasn't true? Then our gospel's in vain. But he did resurrect, and so our gospel is not in vain. It is powerful. So how can I and you obey death, burial, and resurrection? I'm so glad you asked. Because, and most of you know this, we're going to cover it anyway, because you may teach somebody tomorrow. We've got to obey the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus died, he was buried, he resurrected, thank God. And then on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit. The church was born. So how can I and you obey the gospel? Death is through death to the old man. That's why Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what that is? 
Repent is death. Baptism is burial. Holy Ghost is resurrection. Go to it in Romans chapter 6, and you'll read Romans chapter 6, and you will find that we are crucified with him and destroyed this body of sin. We, we can't get rid of the sin problem, folks, but we can die out to self. We can die out to the old man, and we can be born again of the water and of the spirit. We can't be born again until we repent and die to the old man. Luke, I believe it is, 13 and 13, says, Nay, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Folks, we've got to repent. We get to repent. All right, let me... Let me move on. So we obey the gospel through Acts 2.38, repentance, baptism, and resurrection. Right? Romans chapter 6, go to say, we are buried with him. Everybody say, with him. By baptism. So we find out how we die. We die to the old man and we're crucified with him and destroy the body of sin. That sin, therefore, no, no more remain. Or have dominion, reign, R-E-I-G-N, means have dominion. Amen? It doesn't have dominion. It doesn't mean you won't mess up. It doesn't mean you won't slip up, but it won't have control. It won't have dominion in your life. See, this is Sunday school today. How about that? All right? And so we are buried with him. How can you be buried with him in baptism? You can't go back 2,000 years and go back to Joseph or Amathea's tomb. And be buried where, oh, I'm going to be buried where Jesus is buried. It's not what it's saying. But when you go down in that watery grave, the only way you can be buried with him is to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Not the titles. we got to have the name. Everybody say, we got to have the name. Thank God for the name. Oh, praise God. I heard Brother Scully did an incredible job last Sunday night by preaching about the name of Jesus. We've, that's where the authority is. That's where the release of that can be to wash away our sins. Praise God. And so we are buried with him by baptism. Now, how do we resurrect with him? And the Bible says if we resurrect and walk in newness of life. In other words, we are dead to the old man. We're buried, but then we resurrect to a newness of life. We're not who we used to be. We're not that old person. That old man is dead. That old person doesn't want to live that way anymore, don't want to act that way, doesn't want to talk that way, doesn't want to do those things anymore because 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Now, let me go a little further. If you have an experience with God and you feel like you're saved but there's nothing changed and maybe it might be a good idea to go back to the altar and say Lord I didn't come here for a feel good sensational experience I came here for a life changing experience I need to be delivered of me I need to die out to who I am I don't want control of our lives anymore and we need to die out to this old flesh and be buried if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus let me encourage you. I, I, I text Brother Kay, not that I doubted him. I just wanted to be sure. I said, Brother, is the baptistry ready? Give, he's not out here, so give him a big hand anyway. Brother Kay takes care of our baptistry as far as keeping the water warm and making sure it's ready. Brother Sammy cleans it uh, on a regular basis. Give Brother Sammy a big hand. Amen. 
and I, my request as a pastor that every weekend this baptism tank is warm and ready for baptism. You never know when somebody's going to die on an altar and they need to get buried in the name of Jesus. Hello, somebody. But can I tell you, if you haven't been baptized in the name, everybody said the name. I know Matthew 28 and 19, since we're in Bible study today, we can cover this. It says, go you therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, comma, and of the Son, comma, and of the Holy Ghost. Right? Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is the religious world, religion's world's formula of baptism in the majority of religions. And it is not biblical. I'll prove my point. I know what it says there. But what it's saying, you have to read and understand it and break it down. And Jesus made it simple. And I'm going to prove my point, and I'm, I'm going to let you go. When I'm through preach, uh, proving my points. Y'all got to understand, it's been a while. No. Uh, baptized in the name. Everybody say the name. Father is not a name, is it? Son is not a name, is it? Holy Ghost is not a name, is it? I know this may sound like we're pushing our doctrine. No, 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 no. This is thus saith the Word of God. I'll show you where it was taken away from its truth and reformulated into a formula of baptism that was never, never the truth. Amen? I'll go a little further. No one in the Scripture was ever baptized in, the, in that formula because the disciples knew. When he said, you must be baptized, he said, go ye forward in all nations, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. There is only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. What is that name? The Scripture says, do all that you do in the name of. Why would we leave out baptism? Hello? That's okay. And so, to know that the disciples, y'all just stay with me for a minute. To know that the disciples understood. They went and baptized. You don't hear Acts 2.38 say, Repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So I've literally had denominal people tell me that Peter was in error. They're not going to believe that. They're going to believe what Jesus said. And I said, well, I can understand why you might say that, but if you do that, throw away the rest of the Scripture from that point forward because you can't trust any of it. You can't trust anything Peter said from that point. If he got salvation, plan of salvation wrong, don't trust anything he said. But Peter understood what he said. And he baptized in the name. Hello, somebody. Clap your hands about the name. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the removing of sins because Jesus, the name of Jesus has authority. A title does not have authority. Amen. And so where this came about as, a, as the denominal world form of baptism was in the year 325 A.D. You can go look it up in your local encyclopedia. There's two of them, the Britannica, Canada, and I can't remember the other one. Uh, it's there. You can Google it. You can find it. The early church, from the birth of the church, and for 325 years, well, actually, you've got to deduct 33 and a half for 297 and a half years. Uh, I think it's what it is. 
for 297 and a half years, they only baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because they understood. There was no squawking about it. There wasn't one church baptizing in the titles, another church sprinkling, and another church baptizing in the name. They, there was all, the early churches, that was it because they understood. But there arose a man who was named Constantine in the year 325 A.D. from the Catholic Church who was not truly a Christian but needed the favor of the Christians or wanted it. And he changed the formula of baptism from Jesus' name to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Y'all quiet on me now. That's the truth. That's history. The Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible gives us the correct way. And the church did it the correct way for 297 and a half years. Nobody's here that old, are they? There's not any churches around here that old. Praise God. But I'll tell you what. The truth is there. 297 and a half years, nobody taught, preached and taught and baptized any other way. And then the Constantine, the Roman Catholic Church, changed the formula of baptism. And here would what would have to come to me, this big old question mark. Why? Why was it? Why? Why was it such a big deal? Why was it such a big deal that Constantine felt the need to go in and undo scriptural teaching of baptism and to remove that and institute something that's not biblical based on one verse that he didn't even interpret right? Or maybe he did. He just maliciously changed it. I wasn't there, so I don't know. What makes me think, Sister Fincher, is when Peter and James was put in jail, they told them, we're going to let you go. But don't go preaching this name anymore. There's something about the name the devil can't stand. There's something about the name that agnostics can't stand. There's something about the name the Romans couldn't stand. There's something about, I tell you what it is, it is power in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is in his name that we pray and miracles take place. It is in his name that we pray and demons have to flee. It is in his name that we pray and things and deliverance comes. It's in his name that we pray and the glory comes down. It's in his name that we're baptized. Hallelujah. And our sins are remitted. Let's stand together. So I want to encourage you today. And oh, I pray that my deliverance of this has not been in a, in a wrong manner or wrong spirit. I want to be in a right spirit because I could easily be there in another religion and not even understand or ever know this glorious gospel. I thank God, Brother Bobby, all the time that I was raised in this as a child. And I got the Holy Ghost at 29. For the, I got it when I was 13. I didn't stay in church long, but at 29 and I didn't know what the Godhead was. I didn't know what doctrine was. I didn't understand all that. But I'm thankful that I knew where to go get the Holy Ghost. Here's my point. And it was there that I found what doctrine was and what truth was. And I'll tell you this real shortly. 11.04 in case you're wondering. 
I was in my office one day, and I've shared this numbers of time at Bible studies because I pray it could relate to some thinking. All my friends, there was only three churches in our town. One was Pentecostal and two were other of other denominations. I was the only Pentecostal in my class and the one above me and the one below me. There was no other. And that three-year classroom is kind of who you relate to and who you're friends with more than anybody else. Now, there were some Pentecostals in our school, but few. And I thought about when I got the Holy Ghost, how that all my friends were of another denomination and believed another doctrine simply because that's what they were raised. And I went to my office one day and began to sincerely pray, God, I don't understand this. Why? Does it have to be so many different religions that confuses people with good intentions? I, I don't understand it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be disrespectful to God. And they're in my office, and I say this with full reverence and respect and thanksgiving to the Lord. They're in my office. No man but the Dylan gave me at that Bible study. God gave me a Bible study for about two hours. And God walked me through his word. Some scriptures I really didn't know. He just kind of led me to them. And when I walked out of that office, I knew what truth was. Not from a church point of view that was given to me or taught to me, but from a scriptural point of view that is not to be argued with. And I have never, ever doubted and I refer back to that often, those experiences, that experience oftentimes. And I won't go through it all, but the Lord led me to it. Here's what he said. He said, I want you to bypass all religion. That's what he told me. So I want you to go through my word. And I want you to find what I taught. And I want you to find what my disciples taught. And I want you to find what my disciples experienced. Then I want you to find what they preached. He said, and when you do that, you will find my church. An old country boy didn't know much at all. I mean, I didn't go to church much after six or seven. Didn't know anything about doctrine. I really didn't. I heard about hellfire and brimstone, the rapture of the Holy Ghost and hell. But I didn't know much beyond all of that. But the Lord just met me where I was at with a sincere question. And I want to say this. If you ask God sincerely for help with understanding, He will, let, he will give it to you. He will guide you. He, he is not the author of confusion. He wants us to know His will. He wants us to know His truth. Praise God. Isn't that, the, isn't that right? And look. What good would it do to go to church if we're not getting truth? What good would it do to have our name on a roll and say that we're saved if something hadn't really took place? We got to get this right. Because there are Bibli there are scriptures where people came and thought they were ready. And angels said, Words, how is it you don't have on the wedding garment? Oh, oh we, we thought, we thought. No thinking is not going to do it. And the only way we're going to know is through this word of God. The Lord helped this old country boy by giving me that Bible study.
And I, I didn't go into all of it. Like I said, it went. But I found so many truths that were so clear and easy, simple to understand. And I thank God on this day that we celebrate the birth of this glorious church. Have you thought about how many people through the, the beginning of time have come to an apostolic church that preached the truth where the Holy Ghost was being poured out? And their lives were changed. Have you thought about the families that were raised in this glorious truth and they know what truth is? They can tell you without blinking an eye. You can't be around this without it getting in you. Without you starting to believe in it. Because there's something, it's like Brother Jeff Arnold said, it's unexplainable, but it's undeniable. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 19, when he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, We have not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, under what baptism were you baptized? I said, under John's baptism, which was repentance. But yet John Priester comes one after me, who shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. But somebody missed it. Somebody miscommunicated, did not communicate, never told them that part of the gospel of John's preaching, rather. And he baptized them in the name of Jesus. He baptized them. He rebaptized them. But he baptized them in the name because that is biblical. That is the gospel. The Bible says if even an angel from heaven come preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. Why? Because this gospel is so, so important. If you get it wrong, you can miss heaven. You will miss heaven. And that's why it's so important to get it right. To get it right. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. And you want your sins washed away that you've asked God to forgive you of. During this altar call, would you come? We've got towels. We've got robes. and we'll, we'll take care of you on this Sunday morning. And look, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to do is to be baptized on the birthday of the church.